You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Alan Seals, who is a podcast host on the Broadway Podcast Network with his show, The Theater Podcast with Alan Seals. Not only does Alan have a podcast on the network, but he is also the chief technical officer and a co-founder for the BPN. He also works for Toxic Google, and if you've seen any videos on YouTube um, with Toxic Google, you've probably seen Alan. I'm so excited to have him joining my show today so I can interview the interviewer and flip it around, but also talk to my boss in a way. Uh, hi, Alan. <laughs> hi. I'm like holding in that laughter. I don't know if you're going to edit out the, the my side of the intro. Thank you. Thank you for the intro. That was lovely. Um, How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm good. Uh, it's weird here in New York uh, with all this flooding that just happened, but otherwise we are doing we're doing just fine. Broadway's coming back. And uh, gosh, la- as of recording this, what last week, Hades Town opened and there's more on the way. So things are ramping up. I love it. And it seems like national tours are coming back into rehearsals. So mm-hmm. touring's about to start opening too. Um, so to dive right in, how did you get started in theater and technology and get to the BPN? Oh my goodness. Um, let's see. I hope this is a five hour podcast. So when I was a wee lad, I always liked to watch on VHS Singing in the Rain, Music Man and West Side Story, old, old videos. And I just I didn't think anything of it. My parents were in a musical theater, so I just watched this with them and I I enjoyed it. So I started singing, uh, singing, dancing and doing voice choirs and things. And so then while doing all of that, I was that was one side of my brain and the other side was doing sports and loving to be outside. And then when I came back inside, um, this gosh, it was uh, 1986, 87, something like that. We got our first computer and we came with a 2400 baud modem. The first thing I ever did was take the computer apart and I started playing with jumper cables. And it is fascinated me how all this technology fit together to make one perfect little machine. And so there was always this, these parallel competing paths in my mind of like, I want to perform, I want to be on stage, but then I want to build the stage that I'm standing on. And this is so much fun. And I love eventually as an, as I got older, started getting into camera work and I had the, uh, the giant VHS camcorder that you've slung on your shoulder. So I'd go make videos with the neighborhood kids when I was younger, fast forward to high school. Uh, I'm in, in choir trying to decide where to go to college. And my parents convinced me to 
to get a computer science degree because they say you can always act with a computer science degree, but you can't do computer science with an acting degree. And so there went my dreams of going to Columbia and being a great actor, which which originally was my plan because I wanted to come to New York. And so my path right there went to uh, NC State in North Carolina, North Carolina State University. Uh, and I got a computer science degree and a, and a psychology minor because my plan originally was to move to Japan and develop AI. I took three years of Japanese in, in high school, strangely. And so that was my original plan. But then as soon as I got out of college, I said, this, this is just weird. And so I used my computer science degree and then started to perform. I was a, I, I was a regular, very regularly working regional theater, non-union actor all along the East Coast. And I was, I thought I was making it big doing my non-regional shows all up and down the East Coast and even as far West as Indiana. And I did that for over five years, right, right uh, tail end of five years, supporting myself that way, all while making websites for my castmates because that was that was this was before wix before squarespace before anything it was i knew how to make websites and nobody else did so i'd make websites and support myself supplement my income that way and then 2007 the writer's strike hits and i said okay now i have a break in my 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 performing i'm going to move to new york and then i'm when i moved to new york it was not only the writer's strike it was also november of 2007 i want to say and um there's nothing to audition for because it was coming up on winter time and we're in the middle of a strike so started doing computer science again the regular paycheck was something i had never experienced in a personal in a, in a professional way after college before so i was like oh this is great i'm gonna try this for a while now and so fast forward another five years i end up at google as an engineer and then the people I was performing with five years prior had some of which had made it to Broadway. So I show up at Google as an engineer. My friends that are also in New York, some of which are on Broadway at Google, I discover the Google Talks program, the talk, Talks at Google, and then immediately realize I can volunteer for this Google's famous 20% stuff uh, a time. And so I started bringing in my friends with their shows on Broadway to perform at Google and then fast forward another couple of years and uh, I, I somehow have made my 20% part-time role at Google a full-time job and I'm the global lead of this amazing program and through that, uh, through the theater scene in general, I end up meeting Dory Berenstein, uh, who is the other co-founder of Broadway Podcast Network and right before I met her, I had just launched my podcast individually and my podcast, I would never have launched had I known how many other podcasts already existed at that point, but there was a discoverability problem. I couldn't find any of it. I couldn't find anything I wanted to listen to. I couldn't find anything releasing actively. And so as soon as I launched and a couple months later, meet Dory and I've realized that I'm one of many that I couldn't find. I was like this, I, I wanted to, I was researching Dory to be on my podcast as, cause I never had a producer on my podcast before. And I said, this is the lady I think I need, I want to be in business with. This is the person I want to share this idea with. And the idea being that there is no destination for us, for theater lovers, for the, for Broadway, Broadway adjacent people to find 
content in this medium, it's it was next to impossible. So now we created this destination in app form, in web form, in uh, many different types uh, online, um, in social media accounts, right? So we've got all these different places where through us, you can come and find all of the content you ever want about all of the Broadway shows. And so here I am. Yeah. Um, <sighs> that was not five hours. <laughs> well, I, I there was talking. a lot. I, there was a lot I left out. I, I abbreviated. Um. So to put to the test your three years of Japanese, I need you to do the rest of the interview in Japanese. Oh my goodness. Uh. uh yeah. Uh. No. Kyoto. <laughs> that is a polite way of saying no. Thank you. Um. So. In a day of your life, what do you do? Like, what's your schedule? How much do you work on BPN? And how much do you do talks at Google? And what do you do for each of those? Wow. Um, well, in I guess part of my story that I left out was I got married and had two kids. So I am a father of, of two kids uh, who just started kindergarten in first grade. So in the morning, if one of them didn't kick me in the face and wake me up in, in my sleep... Um, I wake up, get the kids ready for school, send, take them to the bus stop, send them off, and then come back. And and essentially, my I split my day in half. Uh, I I do a full a full time full time hours, uh, in one side of my office working on Google and Google Talks and scheduling, uh, talking with publicists. The I'm one of several people now on a larger team, so I work with the the rest of the people in my team and. Like right now, we're planning events with the big movies that are coming out for December and you know it's September, early September as we're recording this now. So we're already looking into September. We're plan, uh, sorry, into December for these other big uh, moments. We were always trying to schedule around Heritage Months because representation, heritage is very important to all of us. And so we're we are, we're already looking now at September 2021. We're already looking into February Black History Month 2022, like this Mental Health Awareness Month in the UK coming up in October. Um, there's other things around the world. We are a global company with a global representation, and we want to make sure that we're always pulling in these heritage months and working with ERGs. In, uh, they're called employee resource groups. So you have internally at Google, you have um, the Juglers and the Greglers and the Gaglers and Transit Google, and you have Duglers, people who have dogs. And there's all sorts. There's Christians at Google, and there's every you know everybody has has somewhere they can that they can identify with and so we work very specifically with all of them to make sure that across regions around the world all of the different cultures and heritages and and other things are being represented in multiple ways and there is i mean it's it's like that famous you know the the stereotypical picture of the iceberg it's like all you see at the end with the final event that you see that goes on youtube is the tip of the iceberg and it's the polished pretty reflecting rainbows in the sunlight sort of sort of event but below it is all the work that went into it and it literally sometimes takes months and months and months for us to plan events and schedule with with multiple celebrities and their teams and get the cultural moments and find a moderator who's like a high up executive in the company usually uh, and it's it's just a lot of work so that's the day that as the evening comes shift into BPN mode, Broadway podcast network mode. And we'll, we'll literally shift to the other side of my office and work on other machines. 
and it's meeting with with the BPN team, and we're strategizing around um, how making new content, right? Because we're always trying to put out new radio plays. We're bringing on and, and listening to new podcasts like um, Real Talk with Mason Bray. Maybe you've heard of it. It's one of my favorites. So we're always evaluating, trying to bring new podcasts into the fold and figuring out what works for us. Uh, we're putting together presentations to present to the ad agencies because we are the new medium. And it, it I don't know how much you know about the business of show business, but it's slow. It's slow to evolve because when we launched BPN, which was, wasn't very long ago, it was 20, October 2019, right before the pandemic, we launched and we had this great business model and the producers of the shows, they say, awesome, what's a podcast? And we're like, okay, well, here's what a podcast is. And they're like, cool, how can I find one? And so they hand me, I say, give me your phone. They hand me their phone. I subscribe them to my podcast and hand them their phone back. And they say, there you go. Now you have a podcast. That's how easy it is. Or now you're listening. And they're like, wow, that's okay. That's great. So why do I need to advertise on a podcast? And that became the conversation that took us into COVID because traditional TV and radio ads are not, uh, they don't convert as well as podcast advertising. And that's just statistically proven now by Edison Research and other Nielsen rating systems and things that I don't need to get into because this isn't a sales pitch. But now, then COVID hit and we had to pivot like crazy because now there's no industry. And so when I said at the beginning of this interview, when Broadway is coming back and we're really excited, there are so many reasons why why the excitement is there aside from the fact that you know i said this i say this all the time on my podcast too that art heals we need to be able to express ourselves we need to be able to to experience emotion in a safe way to practice empathy we can't like that's how our brains work so aside from the physical need for art and for theater and for singing and for dancing just purely from a business standpoint as a business owner it's really exciting to see these conversations that we've been having for years now and have put on hold for 18 months to to actually come full circle. And they're like, yes, you. All right. So we're going to give we're going to try this now. This is all new. This is all different. We're going to try it. So that's so then to finish your question, take a break, spend time with the kids in the evening, have dinner with the family, put them to bed. And then my wife is the best. She supports me and. <laughs> and then hopefully I'll be able to not do this uh, all the time, but I put the kids to bed and then come back and keep working. Usually until the wee hours of the morning, go to sleep, do it all again the next day. I try to take my weekends off. It's probably not the best idea to uh, not sleep that much. No, no. You know, I met Ariana Huffington a couple of years ago. And one of the things she told me uh, was what, what she regretted from um, as she was starting HuffPost was she wished she would slept she would have slept more and i that's one of the things that i listen to the most is that you know she said that you you don't make good decisions when you're tired you're not as productive when you're tired so you actually get more done when you're awake by sleeping more hours and working fewer hours so i've taken that to heart and i've and at that point in my life i needed to hear that too because I was, I was sort of overworking myself at Google. I was still an engineer at that point in, in, as a TPM, a technical program manager. So I was still doing that, sort of overworking. And I was like, you know what? I need to just like work-life balance, prioritize that. Yeah. Um, so obviously, theater has such, been such a big impact on your life. And 
the life of many other people, as we see on theater Twitter and theater socials coming back. Um, but what was the moment for you where you were like, this is this is what I want to do. This is it in my life. I don't think I've hit that moment yet, <laughs> which is why I was saying at the beginning uh, when you asked, you know, when I, uh, about my childhood, right? I've always had these sort of diametrically opposed interests between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere in my brain, the logic side and the art side. And when I, I'm always flip-flopping back and forth and I, I love talks, I love Google Talks because it's one of those things where I can... I can, ex I can bring knowledge to the world. I can bring great messaging to the world. I can meet amazing people and I don't have to worry about my own talent as a singer or a dancer or imposter syndrome that I may or may not have for being in theater or whatever the case is at, the, at that time. Right. So I love the technical side of that. I love, I've got a project management brain. I've always loved to organize and to check boxes and to make lists and to solve problems. I'm just a problem solver, which is why BPN exists. I said, there's a problem here. There's a discoverability problem. Let's go fix it. And then low, if I knew how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have done that either. But ignorance is bliss. And I started it and I'm like, well, I got to finish it now. All right. So let's continue. Let's make this great network. And now it's turning into this awesome thing. So now that I'm here, I still love Google. I still love that job. I love podcasting. Basically, it's, you know, <laughs> I want to say, say yes to the dress, say yes to opportunities. I'd love to say yes to opportunities. I love to try everything once. I love to just help others and problem solve. And so as I've been going through the last decade of my life, really, like my strong professional years, uh, it, it's been basically using using what I've learned up until this point, up until that point in my life uh, to, to help others. And I'm finding that as I'm helping others and contributing to their success, it's coming back and helping me further with my success. And so we just kind of stair step and build each other up as a, as a, as a successful community. And it, one of the, on my podcast, I, I ask three standard closing questions to every guest. One of which is what advice would you give to your younger self? And a very common thread among those answers is be the person that everyone wants to work with the next time. So don't worry, you know, be, be that nice person, be that, you know, just be a genuine human and be the person that people are going to want to come back to and work with again. And I've, I take that to heart too, that and Ariana Huffington's advice. And so it's, <laughs> it's very much about um, relaxing prioritizing what's important, which of course is family and striving for that, that amazing work-life balance and, and not getting burnt out. I got burnt out once and, and not again. I, I know what that feeling is coming on and I know how to head it off. And so that's why I think I love to have so many different irons in the fire because it allows me, if I'm getting tired with one thing, I just kind of put that off to the side for a second and I know it's still there. And I can focus on other things that I might, that I start putting off again. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm a, what is it called? A jack of all trades and a master of none, I guess, which has its ups and its downs, pros and cons, but I don't know how else I would exist. Yeah. So diving into talking about your podcast, you have your description as intimate personal conversations. And being a fellow podcaster, I know that it isn't always easy to make those connections with your guests. Um mm -mm. So how do you get in that 
mindset to make a connection with your guest and have a great interview in general? It started out, and it comes with practice, but it started out with me literally writing out a bunch of questions and, and like, these are the things I want to ask. And these are like personal questions I want to get into. And it didn't work. It didn't feel right. And then as, as I started to, to realize, and I was, I was probably, I've released 180 something episodes now. And I think I was probably about 30 episodes in maybe almost 40 when I was just like, you know, I just need to, be honest. I need to be as honest with my guests as I want them to be with me and see what happens. And it ended up working when I, some people are, are an open book and they always will be. And that's just who they are. But you know, this may or may not come as a surprise, but a lot of big successful Broadway stars are very shy. They're very reserved. They're very closed off. And to get them to open up about themselves, you first have to share a little bit about about myself. I first have to share a little bit about myself. So if I ask a question and I get a little bit of, and in a story, like the long monologue that I just gave at the beginning of this, <laughs> this podcast, if there's a little bit of a nugget in there of like, yeah, I had a conflict with, with, uh, with my parents, or I was struggling here, or I wasn't quite sure at this point in my life. Like I note that. And I come back and I just kind of like try to peel off the bandaid a little bit. And normally when you ask about something specific, then they'll, the guest starts to just open up because a lot of times people don't get asked about that kind of thing. But I've also found that if they don't, they don't go into the level of detail that, that I'm hoping for, then that's when I try to bring up a story similar to them that they can relate to and say, you know, this is, listen, I'm, I was going through, I was going through a similar thing at this point or a, right here when I did the show, I felt like this. And like, does that make any sense to you? And lo and behold, yes. Like Patty Murin, Patty Murin was a breakthrough for me. When I talked with Patty, she, we got into her having straight up panic attacks on stage in the middle of solos during, during her numbers. And that was a foreign concept to me at that time. So I was like, wait, people have these stars. A literal Disney queen is having stress about doing all of this, is having a panic attack. And and we got into it and that and it it was it was so refreshing to be able to talk about my mental health compared to her mental health. And instead of it being question and answer and question and answer, it was a legitimate conversation. And then that's what I realized was was missing instead, you know, the the tagline of the show is intimate personal conversations. I wasn't having conversations until that point. I was doing interviews. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, and going back to talking with um, Patty, it's so easy to put these Broadway stars on pedestals to where they don't seem human. So that's one thing I love about your show is it brings them down to earth and makes people see that they're actually humans and not just people who go on stage and perform yeah that, thank you thank time. you for saying that because that is that's literally my sort of the the mission that i went on when i'm helping people start podcasts and may come as no surprise i've helped a lot of people start podcasts both in and outside of the broadway space and i and they always ask you know what should it be about or what should it what should i talk about and i said well there's two things one is you've got to do you got to talk about things and have content that interests you because it's hard work. You're not, you're not going to get into this and have it just be this. I mean, it's like anything. It's so rare to be an overnight success and be an instant millionaire. That just doesn't happen for the vast majority of people. So you got to stay at it for years. And if it's ever successful, then you're one of the lucky ones, but you've got to do something that's fun and entertaining for you. But the decisions you make around that, think of your one perfect listener. And always have them in mind. If you want to change your name, if you want to change your logo, if you want to put out, like, should I have this guest on? Should we talk about this? What are the things that your one perfect listener are is going to want to hear? And what's going to make that one perfect listener come back time and time again? And for me, growing up in a tiny little town in North Carolina, I imagine my perfect listener is someone in their, their early teens, um, you know, a kid who loves musical theater, but maybe afraid to talk to their friends about it, or maybe can't afford to come to New York or doesn't think they'll ever be good enough to be like their heroes. Uh, and, and so those are what I want when, I, when I'm talking, I always have this, this perfect kid in mind of maybe, you know, maybe they're closeted. They don't know how to come out to their parents. They don't know how to come out to their friends. And so that's, you know, so that's something else I love to talk about too. Is is for people when when LGBTQ, you know, when the queer lifestyle is part of something they talk about publicly. Um, I I'd like to dive into that because I find that me being a cis white male, I don't have the experience to help people like I want them to be helped. So I want to get that knowledge pulled out of my guests so that my perfect listener again will be able to understand what my guests have gone through where I where I can't help them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, just to get a taste of what you help people with with making podcasts, do you have any tips for those wanting to start a podcast of any sort to get into marketing it to that perfect listener? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I guess the first two things are just what I just said was was do it for you because you you need to have something that's fun. It's going to be a passion project for a long time if it ever makes money. Um, yeah, and then think of your personal think of your personal uh, your perfect listener. But then, being that I'm a tech nerd, of course we talked about that. Is think about your gear. Gear makes sense. You don't have to break the bank to have good quality. I actually recommend just to get your feet wet with everything is to get a a Yeti Blue. Um, the blue model Yeti. And there are certain things <laughs> I'm laughing because 
uh, a lot of a lot of mics, you know, you it's a handheld mic and you talk into the tip of it. But there are there are a lot of these mics, the Yeti included, where the where the pickup is flat on the inside. So you don't talk into the top, you talk into the front of it. And I've done interviews with people who have brought their Yeti on and I'm like, you know, your mic is backwards, right? And they're like, what? I've been doing voiceover auditions for a year. No wonder I'm not getting cast. So when it comes to audio quality, gear can be inexpensive, but make sure you're using it right. So there are plenty of ways. Just read the instructions when you get your microphone, because it's going to tell you exactly how you need to talk into it. Read the instructions, get get a halfway decent microphone. And uh, I tell people too, we used to have a studio with BPN before COVID hit. And um, then when we moved to this virtual remote model, everyone's recording from their living rooms and their kitchens. And I'm like, listen, if you have an echoic space, build a pillow fort, get under a table, put a blanket over it, go into if you have a walk in closet, sit in your walk in closet. And there are many Tony winning actors who are now doing voiceover work from their walk in closet. Literally, like I'll get on a Zencaster session like this, like we're on or any other session where we're recording. And I see like all their clothes and and shoes behind them hanging on the wall and everything. But their sound is great because they have soft, not flat surfaces that are absorbing all the echo. So take audio quality, audio quality into into account. You don't need fancy panels. You don't need to break the bank. Just use what you've got. Make sure you like it. Um, talk about content you, you, you want to talk about that you find it interesting because you're going to hear it. It's going to come across in your voice. If you're like, all right, now let's talk about math. Math is amazing. Like, obviously, I mean, nothing against people who love math. I love math, but you see my point, right? Talk about something that is going to make you smile. Cause even if it's audio only, you can still hear a smile. Um, and oh gosh, what else do I do? I say, uh, yeah, make sure your platform is good. It's it's really difficult to be your own producer and lighting designer and audio engineer and podcast producer and and all of this. And COVID has forced us to learn new skills that obviously we haven't needed to use before. But um, practice by yourself. Get into like find find these platforms ahead of time. We're recording on ZenCaster. There's tons of competitors to Zencaster, um, you know, Squadcast, Riverside, you could even use Zoom, you could use StreamYard.com, but everything has pros and cons, depending on what's important to you. To me, audio quality, no internet dropouts is tip top important. So I don't use Zoom and StreamYard for that exact reason, because they don't do local recordings. So Zencaster here is a great platform because it's recording multi-track. You come out with a track, I come out with a track, we we each are going to sound great with no internet blips. So I'm sure we're boring the hell out of your listeners with this technical stuff, but it really makes me excited. I understand it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so we were talking about um, having a pillow for it. And I remember on vacation last year, I was working on an intro for one of my episodes and I set up pillows in a corner and threw a blanket over my head. No one knew. Yeah. And it's still no. out today somewhere. Oh, absolutely. As the Curtain Rises, which is the first end-to-end -end original radio play BPN did, uh, I have amazing screenshots of these huge actors um, like Alex Brightman. I don't know if you know. Do you know who Alan Tudyk is? He's, uh, no, I don't. He, do you remember? Did you ever watch Dodgeball? Yes, I did. He was the pirate, right? So that he's any and he was on um, 
Serenity. Uh, he's been he's like he's got that sci-fi career going, but he is one of the most prolific voiceover actors ever. And if you just look look up Alan Tudyk, T U D Y K, um, he his voiceover resume is off the charts. It's insane. He can do any voice in any way. But we had him as one of the characters. Alex Brighton was was the narrator, or we had Alan as a character in something else in Dracula. But Alex Brightman was the narrator in As Curtain Rises, and we've had all these actors record from their homes from their from being in their dressing rooms on set from being in their hotels on location somewhere and i mean alex brightman i think it still is one of my favorite screenshots i've got him doing the narrator uh with this giant pillow fort around him holding his pop filter because he's he's traveling somewhere so he's got his mic and his whole setup with him but he's not you know it's not like his nice at-home setup <laughs> but yeah he, so even these great amazing professional actors when COVID hit we had to get super super creative and figure out how we were doing everything and so tony winners tony nominees you know emmy winners emmy like all of these amazing amazing people i got all i got all of them in, in pillow forts because that's all you can do that's when you make the best of what you got and they understand the need for it because you got to absorb the sound. And there was never any question asked. It was a lot of fun, actually, to build all of these. You know, I said, all right, what pillows do you have? And, you know, get your couch cushions, get your pillows to put on top. Let's get, let's throw. Alan had a, uh, Alan Tedek had a, his dog blanket that he dried his wet dog off with. So he threw that over his head and he's like, it smells like dog. And, you know, so we were, <laughs> whenever he was reading, he got, God, it smells like dog in here. So there's lots, lots of behind the scenes, fun stuff. And was that something that you checked off your bucket list? Um, make big time performers be in pillow forts for my. <laughs> I didn't know it needed to be on my bucket list, but uh, yes, I checked it off now. That That's fine. Put it and on least... and then check it off. We still go through that even now because, you know, what, again, September 2021, we're still recording remotely. There's there's people all the time that we're we're in production now. Um, we're in post-production for another radio play that's going to come out soon. We're starting pre-production for another one. And every time, every single time we do this, there's always a new round of people who have never had to get perfect audio before, studio quality audio before. Because in an interview... Got a little echo your kid busts in you hear a honk outside that's totally fine but when you're when you're doing a radio play you need that perfect unfiltered sound that is that has no other extra ambiance or you know uh, brooklyn horns outside or sirens of a ambulance going by so there's a lot of retakes and hold for sound and hold for kid walking through the background or whatever the case is so you, you make do at home um so getting back into my list of questions, so with your college, do you think that helped your further your career more than experience, or do you think it's the other way around? My experience in which? Um, just to get to your position now in your career. Oh, it definitely it definitely wouldn't have happened without it because uh, I, the the route that I went down gave me the technical experience and the degree, the literal piece of paper that says I got a computer science degree. I am a computer science major that was required for the job that got me to Google that then got me the job that I have now that allowed me to meet the people that I have met that got me into the podcasting need in the first place. And I, I sort of skimmed over this, but 
um, when I was getting burnt out, that's when I started my podcast because I was so heavy on the tech side that I was missing the performance side and I needed to feel connected to these people again. And then all of a sudden, like a light bulb went off and I said, oh, these people I want to hear from, I actually kind of know most of them now through this other work I've been doing. So I'm just going to text them and say like, hey, friend, like Andy, Carl and Orfe were the first two people I ever interviewed. And I literally just texted Andy and I was like, hey, man, I, I know that like I'm I'm starting this new project. Can you, you want to be a, a can you be a guest of mine? I, I would love to to have you. And he was like, yeah, can Orfe come too? I said, of course. Yeah. So, you know, and then Tony nominee Nancy Opal, I've known for a decade through personal friends and I texted her and I was like, hey, Nancy, let's talk about things. And she was telling me stories about, you know, like her and Mandy, 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 Mandy Patinkin, right? Like, so she was starting on her career when Mandy Patinkin was starting out. And they've got all these stories about how Prince and things that like, oh, God, I, I love I'm going off on a tangent now. I love talking with younger generation actors, like current uh, younger and people in their 20s, 30s and even 40s. Um, but then people of a certain age who have been around before social media, before the internet, they have a they have a perception and a view of of the stage and of the industry that that is so fascinatingly unique. And that, and I think we're going to lose some of that magic a little bit because it's going to become a a competition about social media numbers versus like just straight talent. Yeah. But anyway, I don't remember what your question was, so <laughs> I'll stop. Um so yeah, if Someone asked if Orfe can join. Of course. You have yes. to say yes. Of course. There's no way you can say no. I mean, Orfe was wonderful. I just, I would have asked Orfe anyway. I didn't want to abuse the friendship, but he offered Orfe. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So what are some things that you've learned through the theater that you don't think you could have learned elsewhere? Oh, my God. So much. Um, to really trust my instinct, to be authentic with myself to be honest with what I want in out of out of my life. Right. And I always thought midlife crises were kind of a stupid concept until I hit 40. I'll be 41 next month. And so it's literally it was like 40 hit. And I was like, oh, man, this is I'm literally midlife now. That's kind of a little bit scary. And looking back on what's kind of scary about, I guess, well, what am I going to miss out on? Why is it scary, right? So I, I, for me, it's a feeling of, it, it is a feeling of missing out. Maybe I'm not going to be good enough. Maybe I'm not going to do enough. Maybe I'm not going to be influential enough. Maybe I'm not going to help enough. And so many, so many of the people I've talked to in the space, in theater, have taught me through their example that you have to embrace what makes you different to be successful embrace what makes you different because if you try to be like somebody else you're not you're you're going to be not as good as them you have to be you you have to be the best at being you and again when it comes to mental health these intimate conversations whether it be coming out or whether it be um dealing with stress or anxiety or even um having having issues with with parents right you know there's so many people that i talk to that that are sort of at odds with their parents because they took the acting route and then they had to go through this whole decade of proving themselves before their parents would come back and accept them as as reliable children and so for me i guess to answer your question like what is what has it taught me 
gosh, it's, I don't even know where to stop. I feel like everything, everything about who I am right now is because of the arts is because of theater and performing and the emotional, yeah, the connection, the ability to see people as humans versus assets or quantities or statistics, right? Because we get, again, it goes back to the social media thing of what is the best version of yourself that you can put out there? And that gives people a false sense of reality. I don't want to look at people's Instagrams to know who they are. I want to have a real conversation with them. I want to see what they can bring to the stage. If they could dive deep down into personal anger or sadness or something like that tells me more about who somebody really is than posting a, than watching a video that they posted about them traveling to some Caribbean Island. I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, so we're getting into some of my last questions. So is there any advice that you want to give to anyone looking to follow nearly the same, same career path as you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> never stop challenging yourself. I, one of my fears is, is the actual physical calcification of my brain. Because when you get to be a certain age, if you, like our brains are hardwired to find the least path of, the path of least resistance. We want to find the shortcut. We want to find the easiest way of doing things. And by doing that, we stop challenging ourselves. We get stuck on our waves. And, it, and it's, you know, you look at grandparents who don't know how to work a, a VHS player or a CD player or don't understand the concept of even the internet at this point, right? Which is still foreign to somebody even of my age, but uh, your age especially, you, you, you grew up not knowing what it's like to not have the internet in your pocket. That's... I remember when when my parents were like, don't use your cell phone in the unless it's an emergency. It's super expensive. Like they sent me out with the one cell phone we shared as a family. Right. Um, <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, the advice. Yeah. So. Don't stop challenging yourself because the more. I like to read things I've never read before. I like to watch documentaries about things that I didn't, that I don't know if I'm interested in. Um, even I'm left-handed. I like to brush my teeth every now and then with my non-dominant hand because it keeps, I feel like it keeps, even if it's actually not doing anything, I feel like at least for me, it's keeping me a little bit more malleable and uh, don't be afraid to change. Don't be afraid to adapt. If, if BPN hadn't, had to quickly adapt when COVID hit, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. We have, we immediately figured out a plan to start, re keep recording virtually, keep our podcasters going to, to put out live events, to do live streams when nobody else in the industry was doing anything. It was basically BPN and Seth Rudetsky with stars in the house. <laughs> we were, we were putting out content. So yeah, that I guess, yeah, that's, I'll stick with that advice. Just constantly challenge yourself. Even if you do the same thing over and over again, just ask yourself what it would be like if you did something a little bit different, because you may actually find a better way of doing it that you didn't know about because you never thought about it outside of the way you were taught. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want to add before we start to wrap up the episode? Um, I guess for you, just thank you for doing this. It, it's really important to hear from, to hear from your generation, to hear from people who, 
like I, I'm constantly impressed. I feel like an old man now. Like, get off my lawn, you damn kids. Um, no, I, I think the youngest person I have interviewed at the time. No, I've I interviewed Madison Ligaris from Get On Your Feet recently. Um, but at the time, who I was thinking it was Andrew Barth Feldman. He had just turned, I think, 17. When was he in, in, in Dear Evan Hansen? I think he um, was uh, 17 he or 18. Yeah, he, it was he like... He was the youngest Evan Hansen. I know that. Right, right. He was just a couple months into Evan Hansen. And I had such an in-depth, deep conversation with him, more so than some of the older adults that I had talked to at that point. And was just, I'm just so absolutely impressed with the level of awareness that, that teenagers have right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm really jealous of, not jealous. I guess that's not the right word. I guess I'm envious because if I had the tools at my disposal when I was your age that I do now because of the internet, because of technology, I'm, I'm just so excited to see what you and your friends and your peers and your generation are going to produce by the time you're my age, because it, it hands down, you guys are just some of the brightest people I've, I've ever seen. So thank, thank you for doing this podcast. Thank you. Thank you all your, everyone listening now. Thank you for listening because you guys are going to create the next generation of theater and it's going to come from innovation and it's going to come from challenging yourself. That means so much to hear. Um, and thank you so much for letting me join your network and be part of that. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.